you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Welcome everyone to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Um, As you know, I alternate between talking about professional issues and talking to the real experts on tongue tie. And those real experts are the parents who have been through it. So today I'm thrilled to have Alyssa D'Almeida, who is a mom of a six-month-old daughter, um, and she's had quite a journey with Ophelia. And um, I want to talk about that today just to give everyone an idea of different versions of this adventure of tongue tie, right? So welcome, Alyssa. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me here, Lisa. So I saw your story. For those who don't know, for those listeners who don't know, we have a Facebook group called Breastfeeding Tongue-Tied Babies. And it's an amazing group because parents help each other there. And parents post their successes, their struggles, and there are pros that weigh in on it. But when Alyssa posted her story, immediately I said, we have to talk about this on the podcast. (laughs) So do you remember what you posted? Do you want, do you want to tell us what you posted? Let's start with that. Sure. And I have it up too, just in case I forget a detail. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I had my daughter back in November and um, I knew I wanted to breastfeed. Um, I wanted to exclusively breastfeed her. Um, And so I had taken the class and done all the steps beforehand. Um, And as soon as I had her in the hospital, I was having issues with a latch right away. Um, I reached out to the hospital lactation consultant there and she's like, oh, it looks fine. Your latch seems fine. My nipples were so chapped and bloody and just. Yeah, let me stop there. So when you say you you were having issues with the latch, that could mean a lot of things. But let's let let's break that down. Was the baby having a hard time getting onto your breast? Or she no, would get she, on and it would hurt. She would get on and it would hurt. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And and I didn't know, like, it didn't really, it, I had watched all the videos of how it was supposed to look at where the baby would open their mouth really wide and go. And that's not really what was happening. But then, um, you know, she, she was nursing around the clock as newborns do. And so I just said, okay, this must be just the initial pain that you, you feel with breastfeeding, which I know you're making that face. And I know now that that's not a thing, but right. it, I, I had heard that that was normal to feel right. pain at first. So I just let it go. Um, we were visited every day by a pediatrician from our practice. And a few of the days it was our actual pediatrician, which was great. But one of the days it 
was a different one from the practice. And um, I remember asking him, like, I've heard about these, this tongue tie thing. You know, does she have a tongue tie? Is that what's going on here? And, um, you know, he was a bit old school and he said, oh, tongue ties are just a fad. Oh, so that's Here's the headline for our podcast for this week. Tongue ties is just a fad. It's such, such um, a crazy thing. Like, how could a piece of anatomy be a fad? It doesn't even know. make any sense. That just yeah, means you haven't read the latest articles. That's what you that right. So I want to I want to go back a little bit because sure. you mentioned the hospital lactation consultants coming in and saying that the latch looks good. Right. So I just did a presentation this weekend. It was lovely to speech language pathologists. And one of the points I made to them about lactation, because I was trying to teach them what we do as IBCLCs. And one of the points that I, I just kept driving home about it is look at all an, an IBCLC who knows what she's doing, who's properly trained. Look at all the points that we assess. You can't do that by looking at a mom and baby nursing from the outside and say, Laps looks good. See you later. Now, yeah. I don't blame those hospital LCs. I was a hospital LC. I know how hard it is. And I know that they don't have time to properly assess anyone. So I'm not. Dissing yeah, she was. She her. barely had time to be in the room. I, I'm mm. not blaming her either. Um, she was the only LC on that weekend. Um, the entire. So. Just as a little funny anecdote, I, I had some complications during pregnancy. I was actually supposed to be induced. Um, and um, I had my induction scheduled and then I was in touch with the nurses all day for a couple of days because they kept kind of bumping me a little bit. Um, and they were just like, we are so full. We have so many people giving birth right now. It is crazy. We, like we're just in, in this pickle. So, you know, we're going to call you tonight at midnight and that's when you're going to come in. And then my water broke around 8 PM. So, um, I called them and I said, Hey, is there a bed for me? And they said, yep. When your water breaks, there, there's a, there's always a bed, a bed when your water you breaks. Yeah. Bed. Yeah. So, um, but at any rate, the, the whole, board was super packed. There were so many. And then the other lactation consultant was off that weekend. So there was just one running around and trying to help everyone. Mm -hmm. So totally, um, totally understand. But so that was kind of the situation at the hospital. Um, I yeah. did have um, an unplanned C-section. So we were there for almost a week and I only had that one quick visit from the LC, right. like the day we were right. leaving basically. Um Yes. So then, okay. Let's just go back about that a little bit because it's not her fault, but I want parents to know that if they, you know, if they don't think that things are going right and the hospital LC comes in and says everything looks good, it doesn't mean they had a lactation consult. It doesn't <laughs> mean that they shouldn't reach out for more help because a lot of times they think, well, the lactation consultant said everything was okay. And she's the expert on breastfeeding, mm -hmm. but that's not a lactation consult. That's a quick visit from the lactation consultant. So if you're a parent and you're either going to have a baby or you're thinking back on your experience in the hospital um, and things still aren't right, it's important to know that there is much more to an, an evaluation by a lactation consultant than what you experienced for the most part in the hospital. If you didn't get I, a good experience, there are, there are lovely lactation consultants 
in some amazing hospitals that have the time and are doing wonderful assessments, but that's rare, right? It's rare. So, yeah, and I think in general, too, having a baby during COVID, all the hospitals are so short-staffed and everyone's just doing the best that they can. Um, mm -hmm. If I could change anything about this entire story that we're going to be talking through today, it would have been to reach out to an IBCLC immediately after. Um, so I, I did reach that conclusion eventually, and we'll get there, but um, it not not very early in the story, and that would be my only regret or the only thing I would have changed. So now you're in the hospital. Do you mind me asking, did you need to supplement? Because that's common when you're having such discomfort. I did not. Um, I don't think I, I don't know whether it just wasn't brought up to me or if I just am a stubborn person, but either way, I did not supplement when that's I was fantastic. in the hospital. That's amazing. Good for you. I just um, was, it was just making the situation worse and worse. Right. So then after we left, um, I want to say we started a pediatrician like one or two days later. Um, our pediatrician office, which I think this is somewhat common, has lactation consultants that are in office as well. Um, and so I, my first several appointments, the lactation consultant would be in there with our actual pediatrician. So um, I voiced my concern. I, I, you know, opened up my top and I said, this is what we're dealing with right now. Look at how bloody I am. Right. I, I don't want my baby eating my blood. Like, uh, right. um, and so she ended up giving me nipple shields, which I know that it's a bit of putting a bandaid on the situation, but I am so thankful for that yeah. bandaid because yeah. without it, we would have had a different story too. Yeah. Sometimes um, you need a bandaid. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you need and let me let me just um stop and say like a quick something about nipple shields because nipple shields either get a bad name or get passed out like candy right so the way i feel about nipple shields is that they're a good tool but it really should be in conjunction with a lactation consultant so that you know what the end game is and to make sure that the baby is actually nursing through the shield or getting milk through the shield instead of just nursing on the shield which i've seen mm -hmm. right so oh. it and also you want to make sure that it's fitting right and a lactation consultant yeah. will be able to give you the right size if it's you know because otherwise the milk isn't going to be stimulated um i had somebody who came to me like two weeks ago now and she was very swollen as you know after you give birth you puff up all over including your breasts and your areola is flattened your nipples look flattened because of all that edema all that swelling and it was like a, a friend of mine gave gave me this term and there's no other way to say it it was like putting a shield on a balloon there was no oh nipple coming into the shield but she oh had the shield there in the and and this was given to her by a nurse immediately after birth because the baby couldn't latch so now it looks like the baby is latching to her breast, but the baby's only latching to the shield, which was actually way too big. Uh, it was a disaster. She thought the baby was nursing and gaining weight. Good thing we saw each other early. But before she saw me, she got a tongue tie release. And like, what good would that have done? Because the baby can't even latch to your breast because your nipples are swollen. So we have to take care of the swelling first. Yeah. Oh, I'm digressing. But nipple <laughs> shields, you know, they're they're a good tool. I like them for babies who are used to bottle feeding and need to and need to learn to come back to the breast because that some mm. somehow 
that gives them something to hold on to. Like they're used mm-hmm. to having something in their mouth that feels like that nipple of the bottle. So the shield yeah. kind of feels that way. Um, so it's a good transition for babies who take a bottle who won't take the breast. That um, makes sense. Yeah. And for, for parents who are in such pain that now it's tolerable as long as there's still milk transferring. Yeah, right? absolutely. And then there's some moms who I give shields to, and it doesn't make a difference in their comfort level. So it depends. Oh. It really does make it, you know, it really does depend. It's very individual anyway. So thank you for, for bringing up nipple shields. So how <laughs> did it go with the shield? Did it feel better for you? So the shield, it did feel better. My nipples were able to heal and I was able to continue nursing. So mm-hmm. the shields yeah. definitely served their purpose. Um, and also in one of those early in-office pediatrician appointments, I again asked about the tongue tie. And I'm not sure what made me ask again, because I'm the type of person typically that if a medical professional tells me an answer, I accept it because that's they're the specialists. They, they went to school for this. I did not. So I kind of go with it. But for some reason, I brought it up again. Mm-hmm. And um, so then the pediatrician and the in-office lactation consultant, they both did a physical examination on Ophelia and they both said, yeah, she definitely has a tongue tie. So they referred me to a local ENT. Okay. Um, so they, they said she definitely has a tongue tie, but you yeah. have to ask them. Correct. <laughs> you have to ask them to examine her mouth. So what if there was something, I mean, tongue tie is major enough, but what if there was something else going on inside her palate, like her palate yes. or something? And this is the first time they're really looking. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Anyway, and, and these yeah. could be very good pediatricians. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that they're and, not good doctors, but we shouldn't assume that a doctor knows about breastfeeding, about oral anatomy, the way that those who study it specifically do know. Right. And I, I do actually think that we're lucky with our pediatrician because as the story goes on, like she's been super supportive every step of the way. Um, and I, it, we didn't, <laughs> our pediatrician was not the one that said it was a fad. So that's good. Right. Um, but uh, so we went to this ENT. I think the appointment was made for about like a week or so later and we get there and it's not a pediatric ENT. I think parts of the country have that. It was just an ENT. Um, so they see babies sometimes, usually adults. There were a lot of, you know, elderly people in the waiting room as well. And um, we go in and she examines the mouth and she said, oh, I mean, this is really just a slight tie because a full tie would extend to the tip of the tongue. She doesn't have it extending that far. So, um, you know, we, we really wouldn't do a release on a partial tie. So, so what she's talking about, um, a full tie is in medical language called an anterior tie, right? And what your baby had was probably, I'm guessing, a posterior or a little bit further back. So it wasn't recognized as an anterior tie, which is basically all we learn about in school. As doctors, as nurses, as midwives, we only learn about anterior ties. So ENT isn't expected to know this. Somehow we have to get the message from the pediatrician that they shouldn't be referring to an ENT who doesn't recognize infant problems. It doesn't make any sense, (laughs) but they are trained to refer to other medical providers 
And mm-hmm. usually, although there are some great ENTs who do understand this, usually it's the pediatric dentist. And pediatricians are not in the habit of referring to a dentist, you know, for, for consults. So there's there's that kind of like little bit of a glitch and where things can sometimes go wrong. Now, yeah, did and you I, have uh, that? Did you, did they say, she said that you were not going to do it, the ENT? Yeah. So anything. she's like, oh, I don't do a release if it's just a partial tie. Okay. And so that was it. So, you know, my husband and I left that day with a failure and we just said, okay, that it's, it's not that then. So um, I had the shields. Mm-hmm. I just kept nursing and that, that was that for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. So in that early first month, we did have some issues with her gaining, which I know is like pretty common in those early days anyway. Um, so we did start to supplement with um, just expressed milk, one two ounce bottle a day, I think was all we were doing in, the, in those early days. And um, so that was fine. We had some extra weigh-ins. She gained what she needed to. So by the time we hit um, the two month appointment, we had already steadily gotten on track. And so we did not have any appointments between two months and four months. Wow, that, um, that, that's another common situation that can be very problematic. Right? As it was here too. <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's um, unfortunate that the schedule goes just according to vaccination scheduling, right? So they feel, and I'm not going to say pros or cons about vaccines, but it shouldn't, we shouldn't just associate pediatric care is just vaccination, right? So, oh, so that's absolutely. the reason why you don't have an appointment there because there's no vaccines to give. Yeah. But what about all the other things? Right. Yeah. It, it just boggles my mind the way. I'm and especially with um, breastfeeding, like a lot changes between yes. two and four months. And so yeah. to have no touch point during that time and granted um, I can call and ask the in-office LC questions or ask the pediatrician questions, but there was no hands-on the baby interaction right. for those two months. Right. Now, um, do you know if that LC is an IBCLC? I don't think so. <laughs> She's probably not. I mean, there are places where it is, and it, it's still good to have any type of lactation professional in the office, but everyone should ask. Those listening should always ask because again, the same way we said about the hospital visit, if you're having a visit with any lactation professional and you're not getting the solutions that you think you need or deserve, ask if they're an IBCLC. And if they're not, then find one because there's more help. There's lots more help than that person can give you, you know? So there's a whole episode about IBCLCs if anybody wants to listen, but, um, yeah, so that's an important point. So now between months two and four, what's going on for you at home? You think everything's going well? Yeah, she's nursing all the time. Just the happiest baby, like anyone, mm-hmm. which we didn't really have a lot of people around her because of COVID and she wasn't up to date on all, all her shots yet and stuff. But anyone that met her, they were just like, oh my God, does this baby ever cry? Like she is mm-hmm. so happy, just like smiles all the time. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, obviously lots of diaper output and I'm home with her the whole time and just 
you know, loving life. Um, I will tell you also during this time period, let me think. So um, right around her four month well visit, it got bumped by a few days. I ended up, and this ties in, but I ended up having um, a partially retained placenta. Oh my so, goodness. <laughs> wow. You poor thing. No yeah, wonder so you were having trouble with milk supply. Yeah. Right? Well, you, so I didn't think I was having trouble there right. because there was right. so, um, I, there was so much and I even had like built a bit of freezer stash, but on top of the retained placenta, then, um, during the DNC, I lost too much blood and they had oh. to do a transfusion and keep me overnight. So, um, my first overnight away from my baby was definitely very far from what I had ever envisioned, but, um, I did have a ton of freezer milk at that time. Okay. So my husband was able to just keep her on breast milk that during my time away from her, um, I was able to pump in the hospital and all that. So, um, but so that happened Wait, in the did same- did you say you had a C-section? I did say I had and a C-section. you had a partially retained placenta. Uh, that yeah. just makes me, me like go, huh? Yeah. What, um, what was that? <laughs> so, That's not typical, um, just so you know that. That's oh, not no. typical. <laughs> um, I'm, well, I'm we, we, we won't go down that rabbit hole. Just I'm one of those Murphy's Law people, but um, one of uh, the nodes or lobes or whatever on the placenta, I had an extra one is Whoa. what they ended okay. up determining. Um, okay. And during the C-section, when they were removing the placenta, it broke apart. And so I remember hearing them talk about how it had broken and they were getting the pieces out so evidently a, a, a piece, piece stayed. yeah so um, how did how did they determine that was it you were having symptoms, you were having symptoms. yeah so i was bleeding a lot postpartum but then they tell you you're going to bleed a lot postpartum so that's tricky um and then um then around the time of my final follow-up afterwards around five or so weeks my bleeding had changed a bit. And so I said to my doctor, like my bleeding's different. I'm still bleeding, but it's like very cloudy and it's just different. Um, and so then they were like, okay, well, it could be that you are having your first postpartum period, but it could be an infection. It could be retained placenta. It could be this and this and this. So mm -hmm. they tested for everything. Um, at that appointment. And then this is, of course, like, you know, the week of Christmas or something. And so uh -huh. I get a call between Christmas and New Year's, like the results took a little bit longer to come back. Right. And they were like, so um, your blood test came back and you tested pregnant. So congratulations. And I was like, nope. And they were like, come no. in for an ultrasound. <laughs> right. right. Um, so I went in for an ultrasound and that's right. when they... Yeah. Told so the reason, that. the reason that you would still test pregnant is because, and this, and this explains the milk supply concerns with retained placenta. The placenta is the storage place and the manufacturer of progesterone and the progesterone drops when the placenta is delivered. Right. So if the um, placenta doesn't completely come out, the progesterone doesn't completely drop and the progesterone dropping is the impetus for your milk to change to mature milk. So um, you were lucky that you did were able to produce as much milk as you did with having that progesterone in there. So when they did the blood yeah. test and they see the progesterone and maybe some HCG still in there. 
Right. That's yeah, the HCG was what was coming up elevated. And right. so then they retested it while they were waiting for me to get in with the ultrasound. And then the numbers were, were dropping, but it was still high enough that it was alarming. And then the ultrasound and the ultrasound was like the same week that there is the federal order of no like elective procedures. Oh. And they but they said this isn't elective. There's a, a lot of tissue there. Like yes. you need to yeah. have this surgery immediately. And so I did. And um so that the that was actually and I think I misspoke before that was around her two month appointment that okay. that was resolved not four months. That would have been a lot worse. Okay. Um, yeah. And um but so that between the the retained placenta and then the blood loss. So those were factors that we were dealing with again at that two month time period that brought us into that two months of not seeing the doctors at all. Right. So Plus your spirit at that point, you must be like <laughs> wiped. I mean, yeah. And um, a lot yeah, of so I handle it just, yeah, the recovery from the C-section was terrible. And then having, when I started to sort of, feel like I had some energy and I could move around a little bit having to go in for this. And then, um, you know, having to be away from my baby was just really yeah. devastating so for me so, at that point. So, so that happened to you that way. Yeah, thank you. Um, so we go through the four month well visit and, um, you know, we undress her and we place her down on the scale and I'm all excited to find out what the weight is. And she hasn't gained anything oh, in two months and i'm looking at them and i'm like this is what like this that what that can't be the right number and right. they so then they bring in like a different scale and they they're doing all this stuff and then they had measured her head circumference and then they like double measured that and then they're like they're double doing every measurement at that appointment and i'm just sitting there freaking out waiting for the right. pediatrician to walk in um and so she walks in and she's like so i'm sure you realize that that wasn't what we were hoping to see and i was like what is happening um mm -hmm. and then meanwhile too um around i want to say before three months she just started sleeping through the night like she oh, okay she wasn't waking at all for right. anything um and, and that's so when you're supposed to celebrate right yay you did you did the right thing everybody's yeah, can't wait till their baby slept through the night and your baby's sleeping through the night yay right yeah <laughs> and so i was asked i i remember asking should i be pumping overnight like do i need right, to do anything right. and i received the answer that typically bodies will regulate and right. all the milk that the baby needs will be during the day so you don't need to do anything extra so if the baby um, is gaining is the caveat there if yeah everything is going well and the baby is gaining should have been the caveat <laughs> Added there. Let's just do a quick wait for the baby to make sure the baby is gaining. Yeah, that would have been good. But um, yeah. so instead, so the pediatrician, she super kind. She actually spends a lot of time in office with us. I always come with a long list of questions, and I never feel rushed by her. So that's great. great. But mm -hmm. um, so she was just like, yeah. So potentially the issue here is the sleeping through the night, and that could have caused your supply to dip obviously we had these other factors that could have impacted my supply as well like the blood loss and the placenta whatever so she um and i didn't realize that the placenta had triggered the um, milk supply then i had mentioned it casually to the lc when mm -hmm. i was there and she's like 
whoa, it's amazing that there were gains at all. And she kind of explained everything that you just had. So um, I mentioned it to the pediatrician and all this stuff. And she was like, okay, yeah. So we have a lot of things that were working against us, but um, so here's the deal. I think it's because of her sleeping through the night. I think that impacted your supply. So, um, you know, pump during the night, do this, Um, you, you know, she set up a whole plan. And she said, also, we need to do the supplemental bottles and da, 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 da. And so at this point, I had a huge freezer stash, um, relatively speaking, I guess, but I would haka in the morning while nursing. Um, and I would haka throughout the day and just that adds up. Um, I wasn't really sitting down to pump because I pumping is definitely not my preferred activity as a mom. Um, but Mm -hmm. I, just with the Hakka, I, I would freeze it right away and I had a lot in there. And so I come home from that appointment and I'm feeling okay. Like I have so much milk in the freezer, it's fine. Um, but then I realized by doing the math, that we start giving her bottles the, that day and I kind of figure out how many bottles we gave her that next day. I'm like, we ha- our appointment's 10 days from now. We're not going to survive. Even with me pumping, there's no way we can survive 10 days. We're, we're going to use it the entire freezer stash and need more. Mm -hmm. And since that was then the writing on the wall that we would need to supplement with formula also, um, we made the decision, my husband and I, that we wanted to start her on formula the next day, just Mm -hmm. as a two ounce bottle, because um, I was worried or we were worried that, you know, if she had issues with the formula, I didn't want one day for her to suddenly have like 10 ounces of formula out of the blue, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of babies just go like that and they're fine, but it, it was a concern. So we kind of were like, okay, we'll do two ounces one day, four ounces and so forth. And then we'll kind of have either one to dip from. So we ended up doing that. Um, I remember just, you know, sitting after she went to bed, I was like crying about it because just for me, I like really didn't want to, do you formula? And I don't think there's anything wrong when right, moms right. It, do it's, formula. Thank God it's there. Thank God it's there. Yeah. But you know and what? I obviously needed it. it was, it's made yeah. for people like me in this situation. My baby needed food and needed to gain weight. So right. like but you said, thank I'm, God I'm it's gonna, there. I'm going to go back to your pediatrician's recommendations. And I'm going to tell you what I would have recommended that day. Okay. <laughs> okay. First of all, she should have sent you to a lactation consultant, no, IBCLC immediately. So if a baby, if anybody's listening and they're in this situation where the baby, something's up with the feeding, you want to go to the feeding expert, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's almost like a no brainer for me. Like something's not working with the feeding. What are we going to do to fix it? Giving bottles of your pumped milk or formula is not going to fix what's going on with breastfeeding, right? Right. Which you know now, right? <laughs> so what I would have said, first of all, every time you give a bottle, you need to pump because otherwise you're going to lose supply. So I was doing the bottles immediately after feeding. So every time I nurse, I would give a bottle. If she needs. So in other words, you want to be making as much as she needs. Yeah. Right. So yes. say she takes two ounces and then you give two ounces by bottle. She needed four ounces for that feeding. Yes. You're not telling your breast she needed four ounces. Right. So this is just education. I'm not criticizing what you did because I think that people who are listening can can gain from this. You always want to match what you're pumping. This is why I don't like freezer stashes because <laughs> you have to pump anyway. Once in a while, a security, whatever, it's good. But if you're giving milk all day long that's pumped without pumping, 
you're going to lose your supply. The other thing is back to the haka. Now, again, I am, Alyssa, totally not criticizing what you did because you did what you knew to be true and what mm-hmm. was seeming to work for you. But I want people to learn from what I would have yeah, done. Sorry. Yeah. You, right. Okay. So it's possible that because she was having trouble transferring milk, that haka milk would have been better if you left it in your breast because mm-hmm especially because your breasts were probably a little sluggish, right? With, mm-hmm. with remaking milk because your placenta was still there. You might've been taking milk that would have been easy for her to get at the next feeding. And now it's in yeah. your freezer, right? Yep. So like <laughs> it, it, I, you totally did what seemed to be the right thing to do, but in hindsight, we can look at it and go, Hmm, huh. maybe that yeah. kind of, kind of put it there too. And then the other thing is about the sleeping through the night, we want to look at how many feedings a baby is getting per day. Mm-hmm. And it should be eight to 12, even if they're sleeping through the night. So if they're, if they're sleeping through the night at three months old, but they're getting 10 feedings during the day and they're gaining, that's fine. Right. But it's not mm-hmm. about the hours. It's about how many feedings. Right? right. And that doesn't count if they're feeding all day long, which a baby that's not getting a lot at a time is probably <laughs> not having any breaks in between the feedings. She was probably on you almost constantly. And um, the feedings lasted forever. Um, right. I I was just, you know, I'm hearing on demand nursing. Right. right. So right. I'm letting her nurse as long as she needs. And so. Right frequently our nursing sessions would be an hour and a half long. Right. right. Many yeah. of them were. Um, and I had not heard anything about that being strange um, right. until <laughs> recently. So, right. um, yeah, so that was kind of that situation. Wow. And I, I was actually, um, so after we started formula and since that was, kind of a a sad milestone for me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's when I was like, you know what? I am going to research lactation consultants at this point. And I didn't know the difference between IBCLC at that point and other lactation consultants, but I just looked for one in the area. I knew that um, lactation consultants have the option of coming to your house, which Mm -hmm. was very appealing to me. Um, I ended up finding one in the area. She scheduled an appointment with me for a couple, I think maybe the next morning or something. It was great. Um, she came for two hours, Mm -hmm. um, during the two hours, like she, so she weighed Ophelia before and after she fed. Mm -hmm. Um, but then she also just did a thorough discussion with me on my entire medical history, Ophelia's medical history. Um, she went through everything about my pregnancy delivery, that sort of thing. Um, she watched me nurse, she watched me pump, um, she watched Ophelia play. She looked in her mouth. She um, she did everything that and more. Um, but the funny thing was at first, you know, so she weighed her and then I was nursing and we were chatting and um, I could kind of see the gears turning. I could kind of see that she had already figured everything out and we weren't <laughs> done with the yeah. appointment. And- yeah. <laughs> because, because we, um, as as we were talking about before we came on, And it's one of the reasons why I want you talking about all that you went through, that we see the same story, you know, a little bit different, a little bit individualized, but we see and hear the same stories that happen to parents 
over and over and over again. You know, so that's why your story is so important to, to be heard so that other parents realize that, hey, wait, that happened to me too. And don't feel alone or look to find solutions sooner than you were offered solutions. So yeah, did, and I hope it she told you about the tongue tie. She's like, hey, yeah, so she's <laughs> like, I, I I'm going to look in your daughter's mouth now, but I think I'm going to see oral ties. And so then she explained tongue, lip and cheek ties to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, yeah, no. So um, we were told she had a tongue tie, but then we were told, you know, it was just a, a slight one. So they don't do the release. And she's like, oh, there's actually not such a thing as a slight tie and you know so she she did the evaluation and she said you there's a tongue tie here can you see it let me show it to you oh yeah i can see that and she said and there's a lip tie here so let me show that to you and i said okay and then she said and there's cheek ties here so let me oh okay um so and then she's like oh and her um palette's really high and all this stuff i'm like okay so um she said that there is a pediatric dentist in the area that she works closely with and she referred me to him she also explained to me what body work was um and she referred me to a chiropractor and an ot um and at that point she also was showing me just the um how my daughter was really tense in a lot of spots and so she explained how that was all connected um and I hadn't really realized it. And of course I had spent a lot of time doing floor play and trying to do tummy time. But whenever I was trying to do that, she would just kind of fuss and um, I would keep trying, but she wouldn't love it basically. And so the OT experience was really cool too, because she showed me different techniques to make it really. And I was telling you beforehand that the OT that I ended up working with actually also her son had um, oral ties and she had just gone through this. He's only a little bit older than my daughter. So um, she is fresh in her mind and she was just like, yeah, my son struggled with tummy time too. Here here are some fun things to do. So that was great. Um, so we did that, we scheduled the release um, and we hadn't seen the, the pediatric dentist yet. So the release was the same day as his intake evaluation. And they said, when we got there, if we decided we didn't want to do the release that day, we could schedule it for another one. But mm-hmm. I was just really determined that I felt like my my supply was really low at this point. And I thought that the release would help bring it back as well as just, I, I wanted us to be moving in the right direction. Um, right. One thing I didn't mention is when the IBCLC was here and she did do the way before and after, despite... <laughs> despite me nursing for a long time, I want to say we maybe did like 15 minutes on each side. So not like a crazy, not one of my hour and a half sessions, but, um, so my daughter had gained 1.3 okay. ounces total from right. both sides. I mean, combined. It's not the worst I've ever seen. You know, I've, it's not the worst. The other thing to add there for those who are, you know, not familiar with how much a baby should be taking you know, if you want to think about the average intake is about 24 ounces in 24 hours. So if it's eight feedings, it should be about three ounces, but every feeding is not the same, right? Mm-hmm. And there'll be cluster feedings and there'll be feedings where they get more and there's feedings where they get less. So it's just a snapshot. It gives us an idea. But the, and the this other, was in the morning too. And yeah. so I believe it's supposed to be a, a bit higher in the morning. Yeah. Right? And the other aspect there is that, um, if the baby stays on longer, they don't necessarily get much more. Most of what they get is early in the feeding, especially if they're struggling with mouth motions. 
and extracting milk. So they're going to get it mostly. So staying on longer sometimes backfires because now the baby's expending energy nursing and not getting too much more. And, and also, geez, you have no time to do anything in your life. You're always nursing, which I'm all for attachment parenting, but there's a point where there's, we have to, you know, well, even just something else doing, do. doing floor time, doing other things. Right. I feel like I barely right. had to pump for those things. So, so yeah. for, for some people, it's better to be pumping for a couple of days. And that, that triple feeding adventure that everybody prescribes, I never let that go more than three days because there's no, it's, it's unsustainable and breastfeeding is supposed to be an enjoyable experience. You know, right. Uh, and that's so definitely good. just takes yeah. its toll. Um, and so our fun. pediatrician said the same thing of like, you do 15, 15 stop just because she didn't want Ophelia to be burning the extra calories of staying on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would so, say for sucks and swallows. Don't look at the clock. That's a lactation <laughs> thing. Watch the baby, not the clock. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, um, I don't even have a clock in my office, so I don't know how long babies nurse in my office. We watch the baby, not the clock. You can kind of get a feeling of, yeah, it was probably around 20 minutes or so. But if a baby's actively eating, they're not going to be actively eating for 15, 20, no. 25 minutes, right? So you want to watch the sucks and swallows and then take them off and switch sides. Are you a professional that feels like you didn't learn enough about tongue tie in school? Whether you're a lactation consultant, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, a midwife, a doula, a doctor, a speech-language pathologist, a chiropractor, PT, OT, dentist, etc. I don't mean to leave anyone out. Anyone who works with pregnant or breastfeeding families in any capacity who is curious about tongue tie is welcome in the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant. What you'll learn, we have four modules, assessment, treatment plan, phrenotomy, and aftercare. So much great information, and it comes with a community. I didn't learn this in school, did you? Tongue tie treatment can be complex, and those who expect relief of symptoms with a quick snip or even a laser release, even by an experienced provider, are usually disappointed. Join me to learn protocols that offer an organized and simplified plan to support families through decision-making, preparation, treatment plans, procedure if needed, and aftercare. Learn the teamwork model of care. Knowing why and which providers are necessary will make things easier for you and provide effective outcomes for your patients. Please sign up today. The link is in the show notes, but you can go to my website, tongue-tie-experts.net. Go to the professional tab. And one last thing, since you listen to my podcast, you'll get 15% off just by using the coupon code PODCAST15. And the word podcast is all in caps. Can't wait to see you in the group. Take care. So I keep interrupting your story, but you have so many important and and educational opportunities for me to interject with, you know. No, it's great. We're having a conversation. It's not Um, Mm one-sided. So we ended up going to the pediatric dentist and he did the evaluation, which um, the evaluation, I just want to mention too, it's not just looking in the mouth there either. 
Um, when I called to make the appointment, they did a symptom screening for both myself and my daughter. When we went in person, they had a whole checklist and they were like, yeah, just indicate if, if either of you have had any of these symptoms. And I was just like, check, 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 right, check, right, check, right. check. My, my husband's looking over and I was like, did I miss anything? And he's like, no, um, but you, you checked. All the almost everything you checked every yeah. box basically yeah. um and a lot of the things i just didn't realize and actually one thing i want to mention one of my weigh-ins that we did early on in that first month we ended up seeing the just a fad doctor again um, okay. because our pediatrician was off and i asked him and i said oh you know this is really strange but do you see the blisters on on my daughter's mouth like she just has these severe blisters and he's like, yeah, I mean, that's just because, you know, she's doing her work. She's doing her work at the breast. So she, wow. and I was like, oh, okay. Now that I have completely submerged myself in this, um, you know, oral Thai culture and I've read about every symptom, I'm like, yeah, no, at four weeks, that's not what that is telling no, us no. at all. No, because um, the baby's not supposed to be holding on with their lips. She's holding on for dear life with her lips, trying to suck the milk out. You know, my yeah. daughter, you know, I, those who listen to me, hear me talk about my grandson. I became a grandma in January and I'm obsessed. But besides that, my daughter described it as he's treating my nipple like a straw. Oh, and he, yeah. and if you think about it, that's what gives yeah. the blisters, right? Cause they're like yeah. literally coming on and sucking in like you can't see my yeah. face in the um, audio but literally coming on and sucking in and holding on that way and uh you know it's a great way to visualize yeah. it yeah so now um, you have the procedure you decide obviously it's the right yeah thing yeah so in the office too he's I know that you're not a huge fan of the, the levels or the grading or whatever, right, right. but um, he did okay. tell us that the lip tie was a four out of four and that mm -hmm. the tongue tie was a three out of four. Mm -hmm. um, so I it was kind of, you know, validating to me in some way yeah. to hear that, you know, it's not just in my head or it's not just like this problem that I'm dreaming up because it, it just had been a long road at this point. So she ended up having... The release on when she was right around five months um it was that that same week i think and uh the the release was so fast so if there's anyone listening and they're they're scared about baby being away from them i know i was scared for that she was gone and back in less than five minutes and they do pre and post photos and the release so mm -hmm. and it probably was like two minutes it just right. it was definitely less than five yeah um, the procedure itself takes 30 seconds if it's the right provider using the right tool it's literally 30 seconds for the yeah. tongue and lip so and just taking them away and yeah. going down the yeah. hall and coming back the whole thing was very fast <laughs> yeah so Alyssa, i also want to bring out something important that you were saying that you felt validated i think part of it that I see is that moms especially feel like they're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. It's their fault. It's their problem. It's their nipples. It's their milk supply. It's their this, it's yeah. their that. And so many times it has nothing to do with what you are doing. It's the baby. Yeah. It's the baby's issue. And it's a getting together dyad issue but it's not your fault. And that's the beauty that comes with that validation, I think, of yes. there is something going on here. It's not and my fault. 
I didn't do and anything. She needed wrong. this release. Yeah. Right. And, right. and honestly, before I contacted the IVCLC, when I just had that doctor's appointment, like you need to do all these bottles, I, I was so upset because I was like, I've been starving my daughter for two months. Like, oh, no. you know, I, cause I'm her food source. Right. My right. husband's like, you can't hold yourself responsible. And I, I said to him, you know, it's easy for you not to hold yourself right. responsible. You're not her food source. Right, she right. sees you and she lights up and you, she has the best naps in your arms, but you're not feeding her. Like I'm feeding her and I failed. Mm. Um, so it was, extremely upsetting. And then those are real feelings. Those are real big feelings that I think that we need to address as far as, you know, going forward, like you have to heal from that because that that's trauma. That's trauma. (laughs) You know, you, you have a lot of healing to do from this experience. Yeah, for sure. I'm Um, glad you're talking about it because to me, that's (laughs) the first step, you know, realizing that and also the fact that you still had enough strength in you to know that just giving bottles is not going to solve this problem for me. This is, I just was worried that it was going to keep dipping lower. And I also had heard people um, talk about triple feeding. I had heard people talk about power pumping and all these things, but they were kind of abstract terms. And I didn't want to start doing some regimen, but without talking to an expert about it first, um, and so when she was here, she, she gave all the personalized recommendations to me of what she thought I should do. And so those were the things that I started doing. Um, and then also, so we had the release, um, we, I was able to nurse right away. Did uh, it feel differently right away? Not, re- I think there was just too, too many emotions going on right away. So, yeah. and she, you know, she was kind of fussy. She latched well. It seemed like a good latch. Um, I, the big difference actually right away is that I tried it without the shield. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, my IBCLC said I can start without, and if she seems like she's not doing it, then I have it with me just in case. So I did it without. And so that was her first. She latched um, without the shield right, right after the procedure. Yeah, that's amazing. Did. That's, that's, <laughs> real. she's, she's a strong little lady, your daughter. <laughs> yeah. And so then for about the next week or so after, some of our nursing was without some was with, I would try every session without first. And then if she seemed just like fussy or irritated, um, I would just pop the shield on and finish the session. Um, the IBCLC came back. So the release was on a Wednesday and she was back here on Monday after. So it gave us a few days to kind of settle in. By the time she came back to, we weren't on Tylenol anymore. So it, it was kind of like a good, good time. Um, so she came back and she did the pre and post weighing again. And this time Ophelia took 3.6 ounces. Wow. Wow. Um, so that was just so crazy to me. Crying? She, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. about to tear up. Like, <laughs> I, I got all kinds of chills. Yeah. Amazing. And she's like, she's like, you did it mama. Like you're, yeah. you don't need to supplement. Like that is plenty of milk in mm-hmm. a feeding. You're good. Like you're, you're good to go that you're, it's done. And so I, I just couldn't believe it at that point we were still, and we actually still have extra appointments for weigh-in. So I had a weigh-in, I want to say the one, two days after her appointment. And, um, so I, I talked it over with the pediatrician and I was like, I'm a little nervous to stop doing any of the supplemental bottles because we're still trying to get back to that curve. We weren't there yet. Um, 
And she was like, I mean, I do agree with you that if you, uh, but she's like, at this point, I think since we know that your baby is getting the milk from your breast and we know that your supply is at a healthy point, um, then really what it comes down to is like reading those hunger cues. So right. if you do a feeding and she seems like she wants a little bit more, right. that's when you could do something, but it doesn't have to be in every time. You don't have to say in a day, I'm going to supplement X ounces, like mm-hmm. just kind of go off of your baby at this point. Um, so some days I don't do any additional, some days she seems hungrier and I do mm-hmm. some amount. Um, a lot of times it ends up just being breast milk that she's getting. Sometimes she's still getting formula. I have definitely, um, gotten over the being upset about formula. Now I'm just at the point that I'm grateful that it exists. So that, that was good for my mental health to start Mm -hmm. being grateful. Um, but, uh, we do have her six month appointment coming up this week. So that's going to be the big test for me because, um, her pediatrician suspects that she would be back on her growth curve mm-hmm. by that appointment. But so the, the her- important thing to know is that like figure out the date that she got weighed last and this date, and she should gain an ounce a day about to catch up, you know, and, okay. and she may not, even if she's not on her curve, if she's gaining an ounce a day, that means that she's getting what she needs. You know, the the num the curve is like arbitrary, right? Like (laughs) at this point, because you want she's going up, she's going up appropriately. So it's about an ounce a day. So if it was a month ago, she should have gained 30 ounces. But you must be seeing her fill out now. You must be seeing like her clothes are tighter and yeah. So um she had to bump up um her pajama size. She's in Mm -hmm. the nine month now, uh, a few weeks ago. Um Luckily, her, uh, I did mention the measurements earlier, length and head circumference. Those actually were fine the whole time. I know sometimes when um, babies have the weight issues, that becomes an issue too. We didn't have that particular issue. Um, But yeah, like she, she has this little belly now and it's great. (laughs) And I I thought maybe I should have known that she should have had the belly before, but I I don't know. But um, yeah, so she she has been gaining really well. And even at first, the weigh-in appointments were every week. And then it, I think it went um, like a week and a half and then two weeks or so. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, so now we're at the two-week point. It, even if she is fully on on the curve and everything's good, I'm not going to let it go another two months. I just, right. it's too stressful for me personally, right. especially after the ordeal we've gone through. So I'm mm-hmm. going to just want those weigh-ins just to make sure we're, we stay on track. Um, right. I think, so I do love breastfeeding now, especially now that I, it's going well. And I do think it's just like a great bonding experience for us. But I, I will say for me, the hardest part is the not knowing what your baby's actually getting. Um, and I'm just a very analytical person. So to, to not be able to really play the numbers game is hard. Um, mm-hmm. But so I think just like some of those extra touch points for me will help. Yeah, absolutely. And also I would think if I were your pediatrician, I would want to see the continued growth, right? I and I'm sure she probably would suggest it anyway, yeah. but even if she's like, oh, you're going to, no, I'm not good. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so um, I just want to add something about this, the continued supplementation, right? So something to keep in mind is 
Now, I'm not, this is not advice to you, but this is advice in general, because I don't know, I'm not seeing your feeding, right? Um, but in general, if you're giving a bottle after a feeding, they're going to last longer and not take as much from the breast the next time, right? So there's a point where your faith has to be like, okay, because how else do we know that they're getting enough? By their diapers, both peas and poops, right? So, and how they're resting in between, in between. Um, and there are ways to make it more uh, palatable for a type A person to be secure in the numbers early on. Right. So you should have, you know, if you were working with a lactation consultant, you would have been given more parameters that would, it's not just like, oh yeah, just nurse when she wants. No, it's a lot more, <laughs> right. And um, yeah. So the um, other thing about mixing in formula, if you don't have to, if you ever have breast milk, give the breast milk, don't save it because even the American Academy of Pediatrics suggests the first option is mother's own milk. And if mother's own milk isn't available, the next re recommendation is donor milk. And mm -hmm. after that, it's, it's formula. So if you have yeah. breast milk, give the breast milk. And I'm not preaching to you, I'm just saying in general. Um, and um, just knowing that, you know, you're, you're at a point where she's starting to thrive and starting to build some trust in your own self again, because you got yeah. knocked down a couple of times there. Yep. You know? And that's, that's big, you know, you need to, you need to be built back up. And I don't blame you for wanting to know exactly what's going on, you know, yeah. in a feeding. Um, but I, I, I wish I could turn back the clock for you <laughs> and get us to lactation care and good lactation care earlier. And that you yeah. didn't have to go through what you went through. Um, we were chatting a little bit before we came on. And I don't think, you know, some of the situations where we're, we're um, sending the baby for release right away. I don't think that that's the opposite extreme of what you had. Right. So I think <laughs> I think that there's a a middle ground. I don't think a newborn should have a tongue tie release. And there are going to be professionals listening to me saying, what? You know, but no, I think that we have to give that baby a chance to acclimate to the world, see what's going to be with mom's milk supply, heal what's going on from mom, including trauma and healing from the actual birth, mm -hmm. support them on the way, and then see if it's actually the frenum that's causing the problem in the breastfeeding relationship. So that goes a lot against some providers who don't understand that newborn period as much as I do, because I'm also a midwife and I've been there for a lot mm -hmm. of newborn nursing relationships. And I know that there's a lot of times when there's things, other factors that are affecting what's going on and we can see a frenum, but it's not just about the frenum. It's how it's functioning, right? So I just had to do that little preach there to get the message out. But Alyssa, it's been wonderful hearing your story because I know how many people are going to learn from your story. Um, it's been a little bit heartbreaking for me to hear because I don't think anyone should have to suffer this way, have to be literally mistreated the way you were on a couple of levels or missed or gaslighted or whatever was going on in, in a couple of your healthcare um, encounters there. But I'm glad that you and Ophelia are on a good track right now. 
and that you had the mommy instinct to know, to keep going, to keep valuing that goal that you had and what you wanted for you and your baby. I mean, that, that in itself, you know, I applaud you. I would be giving out gold stars if I could, <laughs> all the mamas that get through this without any, any, you know, support and no prior medical experience, you know, so you're not, you're not a medical professional. You figured this out on your own and you went for it. So I congratulate you on that. Thanks. And I, I hope that the story is helpful for someone else. Um, and uh, I think I might have said it, it's you before we were recording. I don't remember. But the biggest thing I think if I could change anything would just be how, to have talked to an IBCLC immediately, even if I thought everything was great, which I obviously didn't. Um, but that's the one piece of advice I feel like I'm going to give all of my friends moving forward just right away make sure you have that person on your speed dial, make sure you have that relationship formed. Um, I in office too, and I, well, but you're fading a little bit. Your the connection went wonky. Sorry. Um, I was, yeah, my internet's, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I just popped up saying my internet. That's okay. um, but yeah, so just my, my piece of advice for my friends moving forward and for, for strangers would just be to have the IBLC relationship started at the beginning, even if nothing's wrong, because that will just really set you up for success, have that person to answer your questions. And um, like, I can just text her. I, I texted her today. Hey, I have clogged ducks today. What should I do? And she wrote back right away. With mm -hmm. what she wanted me Beautiful. to do. Shout, that, yeah. shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> Get that yeah. message out. So, Alyssa, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know you have a very busy schedule. You have your daughter, you're back to work. And I really and truly appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. It was wonderful. Thank you again for being here. It was so nice to chat with you. Thanks so much for your time, too. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.